Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Romans chapter 1, verse number 11, the Bible says, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, To the end, he may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among the Gentiles. In case you were wondering, Paul's desire is... And his intention is to come unto them and to be with those Romans. Paul was not a distant preacher, he, even though he was from, even though he wasn't in their midst yet. He wasn't disconnected. He was very much involved prayerfully. His, you can tell his heart was connected and knit together with them. And Paul wasn't, well, I'm up here and everybody else is down there. And then we can all learn a little bit from that from that principle for all of us, whether we're teaching the word of God, whether we are ministering to uh, other Christians outside of the church house or whether we're witnessing to the lost. Nobody appreciates Well, I'm here and you're down here. Nobody appreciates at work, family, no, no setting it works. So it shouldn't. It shouldn't be. It should be obvious to everybody it won't work in a church setting. People say things like, well, men will, young men will say things, you know, I'm called to preach. And if that means you think you're going to be the one that's up here and everybody's down here and you think you're going to be like Paul because Paul got all this recognition. Well, maybe God's not calling you to preach. (laughs) That's not what the ministry is. And if someone's called to preach, they will already be doing the work of the ministry. (laughs) There will be a street corner they will be preaching on. There will be a nursing home they will be preaching on at preaching at. There will be somewhere where they will be preaching like Paul, we can learn from. They've humbled themselves, and it's not, well, I've got a pulpit. I've got people. I've got, that's not Paul. And that shouldn't be me, you, any of us. We should have a Paul-like heart and humbly wanting to serve and that's what he was a humble servant and if god calls you to whatever ministry he calls you to there should be in verse number 11 a longing it says for i long to see you he'll put that desire there and you won't be able to get away from it you know you can i know we're small in number we all know that and we, we, we understand all of those things. When somebody's not here, doesn't it hurt you? You know, somebody's sick, doesn't that affect you? It does me. Why? Because you long for that person. And when it says, for I long to see you, there should be a longing in our hearts to want to see each other. I can't get through the whole, I guess I could. I mean, I've got the Lord. You've got the Lord, right? 
I guess we could get through the week, but I'll tell you, I, I can get through the week a lot easier if I share by Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday, Thursday week, at midweek. I know everybody can't make everything all the time, but what I'm trying to key in on, there's this longing. You know, we run these tournaments. You, you have uh, the worst tournament to run is when you have two large teams that come and they hate each other's guts. <laughs> it's hard to manage that. Because you've got a competition setting, adrenaline flowing, and these two teams hate each other. Imagine that in a church house. This family over here doesn't talk to this family over here. These young people over here are upset at these young people over here. Somebody's upset at the preacher. The preacher's upset at somebody else. You see how quickly that thing could get out of control. And Paul's got this longing to see them. It's a, it's a heartfelt desire. And it shouldn't be, well, I just go to church. I, well, I just go to church at Pilgrim. No, it should be. We should have this longing to see our church family. Thinking of Ken Saramac. He's a missionary in Papua New Guinea we support. He's had a longing for these people. And most of these missionaries through COVID all had the same situation. They have a longing and a desire to get where God has called them to be and to be with those people. You know, they've already been over there once or twice, some of them three times. They've surveyed the area. They spent time in these villages. They, they see the need for these people that are living in the conditions they're living in. They're longing to get there, yet flights are canceled. They've already sold their stuff. All the mission houses are full now because all these missionaries are, are abroad and, and they have this desire to get over to see the people. And as good as the fresh pineapple is over in Papua New Guinea, I've heard, that's not why Brother Ken's going. Not for fresh fruit. Now, it's a benefit, but it's he's a longing desire to see those people. God help us. There's nowhere too sophisticated or simple to take the gospel. There's nowhere too dry or rainy. There's nowhere too hot or cold to take the gospel. Nowhere too rich or poor. Nowhere too close or too far. Man, I go this far. It's really for God. No, it doesn't matter. What matters is if God has called you, he will put a longing and a desire in your heart. It won't go away. Paul's purpose, yes, his life was dependent upon the will of God. That's how he prospered. We preached on that last week and we are all dependent upon the will of God but this is not to say that it that, that we have no human desire as well and when God and, and this is why he says for I long to see you Paul's not a pre-programmed robot by God just doing things because you know God hit a button he has a desire of his own have you heard people say well, all I need is God Except God told you that isn't all you need. <laughs> now, if that's all you've got and you're somewhere stranded, yeah, God will see you through it and all that. We know that doctrinally. But God wants you to have fellowship. He wants me to have fellowship. He wants us to have togetherness. We see mutual faith in this passage. Turn over to John chapter 15. John 15. And let's look at something here. John chapter 15, let's look at verse number 12. 
John 15, verse number 12. This is my commandment. This is Jesus speaking that you love one another. We think that's pretty easy until we read the rest of the verse as I have loved you. Because <laughs> we know how immensely God's love is. I really like loving the people that are nice to me. <laughs> I'm just being. When I when I work, I like having the teams that are nice. <laughs> I want to be around that guy. I want to be around that team. I want to be nice to you because you're nice. I love you. <laughs> the people that are mean, go pound sand. <laughs> yeah, I, now, I got to check myself that I sanctify the Lord in my heart so that I don't get so worked up in the flesh that I make a mess of it. You're a preacher? Yes. Yeah, it's hard. Isn't it hard? It's hard, but God says he wants us to love like he loved. Keep my commandments. You shall abide. Oh, no, no. Yeah, this is my commandment. Verse 12, verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You want to test somebody's friendship out? Take him to the shooting range. No, it's, I mean, it's pretty powerful. You know as well as I do. That there are certain people you take a bullet for. I know some military men that have been through Vietnam and, and, and different wars, and they have that mind. They'll take a bullet. They're ready to take a bullet for their country, for their, their folks. I mean, that's love. That's love. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's a man. You're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father. I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. That's what you're ordained to do. And that your fruit should remain. Whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you that ye love one another. God didn't set this thing up where it's just you and God or me and God. He didn't. So this idea that, well, I had just have the Lord. I know you do just have the Lord. And so do I, and so do all of his people, all of his children. But he never told you to go around telling people, well, all I have is the Lord, and that's all I need. No, you need fellowship. I need fellowship. Because other Christians will help you and will help me bring our desires into conformity of the desires that the Lord has for us. And to hit, you're going to help me and I'm going to help you bring bring our desires so that they line up with what God's will is. And that's why he gave us fellowship. That's one of the reasons why he wants us to get together. Of course, we need to fellowship with the Lord. Of course, you need to have your personal prayer time with the Lord. Of course, you need to be in your Bible, just you and the Lord. 
of course. I dare say those are givens for most of us in this room, if not all of us. But to really be in the will of God, he wants you around other Christians. That's his will for us. And he will put other Christians with you. We know this. We say, well, it's not what we want. It should be what the Lord wants. And God doesn't hide his love from us. And God doesn't hide how he wants us to love each other. And we all know the character of God. He is not a dictator. He's not going to force you. Nobody. It doesn't work in any situation. Don't you appreciate the kids? How. They just run up to each other and play. You know, one of them threw a beanbag in the eye of another one. He got his all, his eye all scruffed up last week. They're still playing right along. And they get over it. They just move on to the next kid that's going to get hurt. <laughs> it's pretty much the way it goes. If you look at that, they're getting hurt all the time. When kids play together, you put two kids together, then four kids, then eight kids, then 12 kids. Somebody's getting their feelings hurt or somebody's getting their body hurt every time they get together. Now, that's precious if you think about it from this perspective. We should be like kids. None of them have to force each other to get together and play. They just do it. None of them has to force each other to get over it. They just do it. None of them have to force each other to cry or, or any of this. They just do it and then they get over it and they move on. Sometimes they need some help with that. Like we do. But if you think about it from how children long to see each other, we'll get together and do all these things. We can learn a lot from that. We should be longing to see each other, wanting to get together, wanting to hang out. Without God having to force us because he won't force us. He wants us to know his desires so that we know what pleases him and sweet fellowship. Jesus God. And we'll find true happiness in delighting and following his desires. Go back to Romans 1. Move on. Romans 1 verse number 11. Brother see you then says that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end you may be established. So what do you think? Paul's coming with two buckets of spiritual gifts like in Corinthians. Here guys. I got a bucket of spiritual gifts. That's not what he's doing. No. The gift is this. The Holy Spirit of God will establish you, will, will give you comfort. That comes from God's Holy Spirit. And it's going to settle these people in their faith because Paul is going to come and he's going to minister that gift to them. In other words, he's bringing them a spiritual blessing. We know this. We, we say this all the time, man, that's a blessing. He's a blessing. She's a blessing. That's what Paul's doing. He's showing up. The gifts that God gave Paul, he's using those gifts to minister to those people. Those people get a blessing. Has God given you gifts? He sure has. If you're saved, impart them to somebody. Be a blessing to somebody. 
So Paul's not coming with a bucket of spiritual gifts. We talk about that. He's also not coming to brag of his own spirituality. His desire has a purpose. Look what it says at the at the end of verse number 11. He says, apart some spiritual gift, comma, and then at the end it says, to the end ye may be established. That's his purpose. At the end of the book, we see God is the power, he says, that, that God's the power that will establish you. And you know what our problem is nowadays? And I want to be careful it's not our problem. We're not established. We can build a lot of things. We can make a lot of things. But our hearts, our faith, our mutual love, our longing desire, doctrine, what we believe, all that has to be established. It's got to be taught. This is why we have the kids downstairs and, 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 and learning with other Christian ladies who believe the Bible and trust the Bible and want them to have these great memories of being established. Established. That's why we do a Sunday school. So they, the kids have another benefit from coming to church. People say, well, Sunday school isn't in the Bible. Well, that thought isn't in, in the Bible. <laughs> what, are you being, what are you being unrighteously critical for? If you're doing something that's for the Lord with the right heart, the right attitude, the right doctrine, and it's not, you're not trying to make it something that it isn't. God's the focus. That's another benefit. That's another time they get to get some truth that doesn't just come from the preacher. Well, it's the preacher's job. It is the preacher's job. But how come other people can't use their gifts and serve and minister? Preacher can't do anything. To that. Preacher don't want to do everything. It's the longing, the desire for all of us to want to be established. I want us to be established in our faith and our love for each other. I want the kids to. We all can use some help in being more established. If God has called you to a specific ministry, praise the Lord. 100% go after it. Don't let anybody talk you out. Don't be ashamed of it. And let the Lord use you so you can minister to somebody. Stand convicted and convinced about your service to him. Look at verse number 12. Bible says that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. It's a comforting feeling to my heart and to my soul to know that we've got just about. If everybody was here, we've got just about every generation and that's a blessing. It's. Very difficult to start a Bible-believing preaching church. Nowadays. Nowadays. You could have done it in 1940, 50, 60, or 70. But then it slowly got harder and harder. And you know what you see a lot of times? The youngest person in the church is 60. What's wrong with that picture? There's nobody 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, and 1. Because the thing's just going to die out. 
Why? Well, because statistically, everybody that's born is going to die. <laughs> and if you don't have new life coming in, how is anybody going to get established? How is anybody going to be able to take it over? How is anybody ever going to? It's not going to happen. We drove out this morning. We saw. My dad, this, they got another. There's a parking lot in the back. Well, this place is packed. How do they? How do they get all these people? I tell them how they get. I tell them how they get all the people. I said, now we can do that. You really want that on your conscience before God? I don't. But no. They're going to be established in the Word of God, and it's not. I'm not saying we're right and everybody else is wrong. What I'm saying is there are few that are right and everybody else is wrong. You can throw darts on the map, but it's not like you can go into a, any given town and find a dozen solid Bible preaching churches like you could some of you men that are older back in your heyday. You can't find it anymore. So, it's comforting to me to know that we're going to be welcoming a baby into the congregation in, in, in nine months or eight months. It's comforting to me to know that now we've got some two, three, four, five-year-olds. It's comforting to know that we've got some of the, uh, the older kids now, eight, 11, 14. That's a comforting thing to know. We've got families bringing their kids and, and men and women in each decade of age category, that's a comforting thing. That's a that's that is a blessing to our church. It's a blessing to me personally. And it says here in Romans chapter one, verse 12, watch this next thought. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith. You know what we're not about? Clicks. You know, we're not about pet doctrines, and we all have them. And if you're a preacher, you got a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, it's just the nature of it. You put you put ten preachers in the room, and you see if they agree a hundred percent on everything. Everybody's going to have a slight different take on this and that. No. You put ten Christians in the same room; it's going to be the same thing. It's not the preacher's fault. It's not the people's fault. It's people. It's just all of us. People get, people could get upset at me because we don't put a, a, a Christmas tree up on December 25th. Now, I can either be one of those guys that makes a big pet doctrine about that. And I'm, every Sunday, I step up here and slam people for it. Or you can make a pet doctrine out of it and say, well, you just know Or we can all do this. We can fellowship around the Lord, praise the Lord, and we can go out and find a lost person and argue with them. <laughs> I'm saying that because we all have things that we believe and we have strongly held convictions on that really at the end of the day aren't worth fighting about. It's great to have the discussion. It's great to have lunch over it's great to say, yeah, can you believe the preacher? I'm fine with that. And the whole thing can blow up over nothing. 
because we got pet doctrines. Well, I believe there's a gap between one and two, and I don't believe there's a gap between Genesis 1 and verse number 2. Okay, you want to fight about this for the next 52 weeks, or you just want to have a talk about it and then agree to disagree and then to go find somebody to witness to, or let's fellowship them. I mean, really, really. Well, I found something in Ezekiel. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> all right, let's have the discussion. Let's say, well, I think you're wrong, preacher. Fine, okay. I want some mutual faith. The virgin birth, the deity of Christ. We got a, a world dying and going to hell. We've got young people that are excited to be in church. Yeah, they'll run and fuss and talk and do all that. But they're here. <laughs> they're here. They've showed up. They want to be here. They're having a good time here. Let's rally around that. In other words, our mutual faith should be that we emphasize Jesus Christ. One of the scariest things of being a preacher is you're afraid you're going to say something that one, somebody is not going to receive it the way that you want them to receive it. And then the, the second fear you have is because you got to do so much talking, you're bound to put your foot in your mouth. I mean, it's a, guys, we know this. So, you're, you, you know, there, there's anxiety with it. There's nervousness with it. There's, did I say that right? Did I get that right? We should have some mutual faith. We should emphasize the Lord. And I'm not saying we just give each other pass on some strange doctrine, some heresy. That's, I'm not going there. I'm not talking about that. We've had plenty of sermons where we've slammed that. Plenty coming up especially in Romans 1. The point of me saying this now is that the assumption is we've got the foundations and the basics. Now let's grow on a mutual faith and a mutual love so that the body can grow. And that's what... You go to Colossians 3. This idea that you think everybody's going to treat you right all the time. Well, get married. <laughs> and I'm not being rude when I say that. It's just like <laughs> guys get married and they think, yeah, she loves me until she doesn't. <laughs> until you say or do something. And it's like, I can't believe she talked to me like that. Yeah, believe it, buddy. <laughs> and it goes the other way, too. You know, the wife's like, oh, yeah, he's, he's my man. He's going to treat me right 100% until he doesn't. Nobody is going to treat you right all the time. Then you have kids, and, you know, you, know, you get the room set. You buy all the clothes, you know. You got the baby blue or the, or the, or the, or the pink or, or the camo or the purple, whatever. You get it all set up. You read all these books. You got everything laid out exactly how it's going to go. And then it don't go that way. Why? Because no one's going to treat you right all the time. That kid doesn't care if you fed him and clothed him and gave him a roof over his head. He does not care. What he cares about is, I want a big wheel. I want a bicycle. I want something to eat. Don't get offended. It's not you. It's people. Nobody is going to treat you right all the time. Your spouse, your children, the in-laws, the outlaws, the church family, none of it. Colossians 3, look at verse number 11. This is convicting. 
where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Now, that's a good verse. I love those three words. Christ is all. Verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercies. God tells you to put that on. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. In the Greek, that would mean, that would be suffering long. It means, you know what it means. You can do things that look humble, but you mind. Not humbleness of mind. Bearing one another, there's a good one. Let's see, he didn't treat me right. Okay, I'll suffer long, I'll have a humble mind. And then I'll, for, I'll forbear that. And forgiving one another. Isn't that kind of what Christ did when he died on the cross and you repented of your sins and trust? You, you, you know that guy? No, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. And if any man have a quarrel against any, get some boxing gloves and duke it out at the next church business meeting. Except not. <laughs> Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. Instead of your own lust, instead of your own fight for power, instead of your own lust of control, let the peace of God rule in your heart. To the which also you're called in one body. And by the way, God says, and be ye thankful. Well, how can I be thankful for someone that doesn't agree with me all the time? After all, it's me. We live in this generation of me. And that's why we have young people that are just spoiled, rotten brats. And we're getting older people that are, that are thinking like this, too. They've embraced this liberal, ungodly thinking that because it's you. Nobody cares, buddy. Nobody cares, ma'am. It's not about you. It's about him. You can get a lot of viral views on YouTube. You take some, you take some conservative young person and you put them on a real liberal campus and you just let the video roll. That thing will turn ugly quick. It'll be all over it. All over YouTube. You do the same thing. You reverse, you reverse it. You take some. Be careful how I say this. You take some liberal young person. And you put them on a conservative campus. And the same thing. Just the whole thing will go ugly. Because. Well, we know what's going on. That shouldn't be at the church house. That should not be. In Christ's body. It's not your body. It's Christ's body. That's the church. You don't own it. You didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. He purchased it with his own blood. And he told us, forgive your brother. Forbear him. Have some humbleness of mind. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. And then, by the way, since it's my body, just be thankful. 
I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you, you, you. I'm sure there's plenty of things to complain about. But I'm thankful. I really am. I know people have a lot of choices. I'm humble. I feel inadequate. I really am thankful for how far the Lord has brought us. People can go anywhere. And I feel like God's really doing something special here. And I am thankful to the Lord. And I'm thankful to the Lord for, for you all. Mutual faith is not a one-way street. We have purpose. And I have personally purposed in my heart. Because I've seen the pulpit used to deceive people. I've seen the pulpit used to control people. I've seen the pulpit used as a dictatorship. And I've personally purposed. And we have purposed as a church. Pulpit's not going to be used for those types of shenanigans. Used to teach the word of God. Mutual faith is not a one-way street. It's not me telling you or you telling me. Paul didn't look down at anybody. He wants to impart spiritual truth and he wants to give value. And if Paul does that, then if I do that or if you do that, then there's mutual benefit. We had our first Bible conference in March. We're going to be doing it again. We've got the date set this March. And it was a real blessing. I had many people tell me, uh, preachers tell me, you know, we came to be a blessing. We knew this was a startup church. We knew this was a small thing. We knew this was a new thing. We were surprised we were able to do it. They said, so our intent, we just want to come be a blessing to these people. And in doing so, they said, we got a blessing. That's the way it ought to be. That's the mutual two-way street. Isn't it great? To give somebody a blessing, but then to give a, and then to get a blessing. Isn't it great to get a blessing and then know that that person did as well? Man, that's the way it ought to be. That's the Christian mutual faith that we're talking about. Hebrews 10, we know this, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Now, God has to say that because someone decided, well, I want to start living room Baptist because... I can't get along with anybody else. So I'm just going to forsake assembling because it's all about me and it's all about my pet doctrines. And I think this about the government and I think this about the earth and I think this about angels and I think this about the gap and I think this about holidays and I think this about and go on down the line. You can just fill it in. And they've taken those lesser things and they've made it where everybody has to agree with me, except nobody cares. Because I'm going to bypass all of that. And I'm going to fly higher that. And I have somebody far above all those principalities. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's who we should emphasize. That's why we don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. We should get together as much as we can. Let's go back to Rome and we'll start to wind down. Uh, verse number 11, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Last thought on this, there's no caste system at Pilgrim Baptist. There should be no caste system in Christianity. It's not young Christians over here, better than Christians over here, rich over here, poor over here, black over here, white over here. There's no caste system. Proverbs 15 says, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, 
but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. You want to be established in your faith? It's good. Some of the best advice I've gotten was from people that have just made a mess out of things. They made a mess out of their life, and they're there to point their finger at you and say, son, don't do that. That's stupid, and you'll it will hurt you. We need those types of people in churches. My good friend, who, who he was that type of man. He was through so much in his life, and the Lord saved him. And he'd be there to tell you, no, don't do that. Look at it this way. It's not going to be eloquent. It's not going to be seasoned and sprinkled oh so right. It's going to be a big horse pill that you're going to have to swallow. And it ain't going to go down easy. But we need those types of men and women at our church. Because they have something that will be of mutual benefit to us. Good, strong, hard advice. Verse 13, last verse. Now, I would have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you. But was led hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. And when he says, I would not have you ignorant. The root word of ignorant is ignore. People find ways to ignore the word of God. Paul says, don't ignore what God tells you. This is one reason why people don't read the Bible. And that's why people don't go to church, go to the church house. It's just ways of ignoring God's truth. They're constantly, the world is constantly trying to find ways to get God out. And they just ignore it all. They'll ignore the Bible witness and just tune it right out of their life. And he says, now that I would have to be ignorant, brethren, don't miss, don't ignore what God tells you. And then he says, uh, that oftentimes I purposed coming to you, but I was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, and it's among the Gentiles. Uh, he was hindered. Uh, go over to Romans 15. I want to look at two things here on this, two thoughts on this one thought. In 1 Thessalonians, we know that Paul, he says he was, uh, Satan hindered him. There's a hindrance there when he visited Thessalonica. And by the way, you and I can count on it. If you want to try to do something for God, count on Satan trying to hinder it. But in Romans 15, verse number 22, it says, for which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. And you, you back up to verse number 19, through mighty signs and wonders, but the spirit of the spirit of God. So that Jerusalem round about like uh, Lycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Now he says, yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But it, as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see and they shall, and they have not heard, shall understand. For which cause also, I have been much hindered from coming to you. It seems like Romans chapter 15. He's overwhelmed by the, the by the ministry, just the time. He's, he's here, he's there, he's trying to preach the gospel, he's trying not to go build on another man's work. And so I guess is here in the first chapter, Paul's doing a lot. And because he's doing a lot, that can sometimes be a hindrance. Now he's in Thessalonica, obviously Satan was the issue, and I'm sure there's probably some of that worked in there as well. But Paul's perspective is right. 
Look at verse 13 at the end of the verse. Look at Paul's perspective. That I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. He's not coming just to be a blessing. He's coming and he is expecting to be blessed. He says, even as among other Gentiles. I'm telling you, obstacles don't stop true servants of God. You're going to serve God? Begin at once. Lastly, I'd, look like, I'd like to look at the objective of Paul's mission under the Holy Spirit's inspiration. He says that I might have some fruit. Paul desired a fruit-bearing ministry. It was fruit for God. And that is the true character of a Christian. They bear fruit for the Lord. Last two thoughts. And then we're done. In Colossians 1. And Philippians 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. In chapter 1. And then Colossians will be right after that. So Colossians 1 and Philippians 1. Here's the proof. We're going to end on this note. Fruit, 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 fruit. That's what we want. Fruit. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 5. For the hope which is laid up before you in heaven, whereof you've heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Part of the fruit of Paul's ministry was that sinners would be saved. And that's what we want. Sinners to be saved. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 7. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That ye may approve things that are excellent. That ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Number 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Well, where are you going to get that? which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. The only way you'll get the fruit of righteousness is by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've not done that. He's offered salvation to whosoever will. After you're saved, the second part of the fruit was believers would grow. We already talked about this. John 15, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit that's what he wants you to bring forth fruit and that your fruit should be remain so to, to wrap it up the fruit sinners save believers grow and as a result the body of christ his church grows i got two quotes and i'll close in prayer i don't know who said this but it says i care not where or how i live or what hardships I went through. 
so that I could but gain souls to Christ. While I was asleep, I dreamed of these things. And when I wake, the first thing I thought of was this great work. All my desire was for the conversion of the heathen, and all my hope was in God. That's a powerful quote. Adoniram Judson said, uh, missionary India, he said this. He was quoted as saying, I am determined to preach the gospel wherever I can find a congregation of one. I thought that was pretty good. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.